Throughout the vastness of the multiverse, there lies a tavern. As you approach its doors, you catch bubbles of laughter that rise and burst into cheers as colorful groups of travelers find comfort in their bonds. As you head inside, the smile of the tavern keeper greets you. They're an otherworldly being with a bluish corporeal form. They wear attire befitting of an innkeeper, and they have a large cloudy nebula for hair speckled with stars, which gently sways with their movement. Welcome to the Storyteller's Tavern, where stories are served like ale and a seat is open for you at every table. Tonight's special is the Sunless Citadel, an epic adventure of high fantasy with notes of friendship, danger, and most importantly, hope. Will our adventure survive to descend into the dungeon, or is there a dark and calamity taking root far from the sun's reach? It is almost the end of the morning, close to midday, when you guys finally arrive back to the outskirts of Tom's Rest. By the peak of the treetops in the distance, you can see just the very top of the temple for the Cat Lady, Cat Castle. As we get close, Methuselah is going to get close to Seeker. Ah, uh, are you going to be alright? I, I wasn't expecting that I wouldn't be going back with Faith. I don't, I don't want everyone to think that I'm a failure and a, a, an awful sibling. I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. Don't worry. Although she's not here with us in person, she's with you in your heart. I think you might be right, Methuselah. You know, she she would have been in, in pain. She would have been suffering if she were still here, right? And so maybe, maybe it's not necessarily for the best, but well, she's she's with the cat lady now, right? Yes, I would say that she is. She was a hero, and and I, I got to say goodbye, and you got you guys got to meet her. So that's that's what matters. And I will always play her song, especially when I'm in Tom's Rest. And you'll get to play it real soon, cause we're almost there. You guys finally arrive at the edge of the town, where the life can be heard from this distance easily. The happy conversations cries of commerce and laughter of small little children, Tabatsi, human, and a few others as well. You guys continue determined towards the house of the mayor, Bave. As we continue up the path, Methuselah's going to take Seeker's hand into their mage hand as they walk. It is difficult not to notice the few glares here and there of people that take notice to you guys, as well as flowers amongst you. Flower looks up at Mortis with realization and goes, I don't think these people know me. Uh, indeed. Uh, when we were here before, uh, you insisted on staying in my shell just for safety. You know how people in cities and villages view civilizations like goblins. Well, is it safe? You'll be safe with me. It will all be okay. I promise. As we get into the town proper, Methuselah's gonna start to play the song for Faith. Well, if before it was difficult not to notice the eyes on you, now everybody stops because of the beautiful song that is being played. There is a certain mixture of admiration, enjoyment, concern, and fear. For as they see Seeker, together with this beautiful song regarding a beloved member of the community, they also see flowers. Uncertain as to why there is 
for lack of better terms, a monster amongst you guys. They stare at us, we all stare back. This is our son. You guys finally arrive at the doorstep of Babe's house, made of wood with a weird choice of architecture. For it has a porch that is carpeted, and the pillars of said porch is also carpeted, and you do see scratch marks on said pillars as well. They're scratching posts. It's so cute. Yeah. I love this town. Seeker is going to go to Mortis. M Mortis, could I ask you for a favor? Of course, anything. Could you be the one that that knocks? Mortis nods slowly and puts a hand on Seeker's shoulder. I understand. I can be the one to break the news to the mayor if you'd like. Thank you, Mortis. You're a really good friend. He doesn't really respond to that. He has a tiny little sad expression for a moment. And then he turns to the door, takes a deep breath, and gives it a hard knock. The hard knock echoes heavier than you expected. You don't know if it is due to your strength or due to the weight of the news that you have to break. The door opens. Singular, thin, very lightly furred tabatsi opens the door. Oh, uh, are you guys here to see the mayor? Uh, yes, indeed. It's uh, regarding the quest he sent us on. Oh, oh, uh, hi, Seeker. Yes, of course. Sorry, um, I'm Chamomile, the secretary of the mayor. I will make sure that he can attend to you guys. Just a moment. And she closes the door. After a few moments, heavy steps can be heard around the other side. When Babe opens the door, Bigger than the frame of the door, he shifts his weight around. Oh, it's so good to see you guys. How was the mission? It's been a day and a bit of a humanoid and you guys were quite fast. I was expecting at least one more day of you guys out there. Seeker is gonna just hide behind Mortis. I'm also gonna say that you're still holding Methuselah's mage hand, squeezing a bit, noticing that you're a little nervous about all this. Hello, Mr. Mayor. Uh... Yes, indeed. Time was strange when we were in the dungeon. I believe some mystical force was at play. It seemed that there might have been some influence from a place known as the Shadowfell that made time feel uh, much longer than it actually was. I, I, I know this. I I've had a bit of experience, unfortunately, with that place. You can see Babe's brow furl in a tinge of confusion. But he nods. That is interesting. Why don't you guys come in? Uh, I have a room that we can sit properly and uh, be able to talk. Please follow me. And then he shifts his weight again so he can pass by the frame of the door. And he guides you towards an adjacent room. There he picks the biggest of chairs. Nothing more than agglomeration of furs. Please feel free to take any seats that you want. And as you guys sit, you guys find yourselves comfortable enough. Maybe just so you guys can prepare yourself. It takes a few moments for the air to quiet, only having his loud breathing permeating the air. And then finally... What? Well, it, it's good to see you again, Mr. Mayor. We went on the mission that you sent us on, and, well, we f we found the the apple. Well, we, we couldn't bring it back because there was some something wrong with it, and, and we found Faith and Sir Bradford, but the, the, the tree that the apple came from, uh, they were linked to it somehow, and that, that's why they're not here with us, but 
but they're not hurting anymore. They're they're free, and they're with the cat lady. It also seems that uh, the people who took Faith and Sir Bradford, it was a druid, a druid that was feeding a, a very evil tree. It seems that he had fed Faith and Sir Bradford to the tree, but in some strange way, they came back, but their lives were, were tied to that tree. So when we took them from the Citadel, unfortunately, they couldn't survive. With a very heavy expression, Bave nods very slowly, and then he looks at Seeker. I'm sorry, little one. I did not expect things to turn out like that. And he takes a few moments. Oh, but you guys found them. And I take it that they are in a better place now. I'm not gonna ask for the rings. I believe you. I will arrange it for the promised compensation as such. I must insist that, at least for myself, take whatever compensation you intended to give me and either give it to the family or perhaps even use it to help the village. I may have struck down the evil that was controlling them, but I failed in my mission to bring them back. Oh yes, Cinta. You can keep mine as well. You can give it to maybe the temple, perhaps. I don't have much need for, for gold or, or anything. I tend to not stick to one place at a time. Uh, I see. The mission that I asked you guys to do was just to find them. And regardless of how they were, so you guys were successful in a way that I see it, but I know it might not feel like that. If you guys truly do not wish to take the reward, take my appreciation instead, and know that you guys are always will be welcome here. I take it that Faith's original mission in regards to finding the apple was not beneficial in any way then. What we found out about the tree itself, and I'll take out of my bag the journals and show him. It. There's some dark workings with that tree. So you pull out those journals with your ghostly hand and Bave widens his eyes. <gasps> Are you okay? Uh, that, that is one very interesting magic trick. Why are you using said magic just to show me something? I, I don't have hands, so I, uh, I use mage hands to sort of help with the things that I can't do. Well, do you need help? Uh, we still have the Grand Cleric here at the Cat Castle. They, they might be able to perform a miracle to bring your hands back if you wish. Uh, I think I'm quite alright. Honestly, these, these hands are very, very practical. Very fun. I, I wouldn't be able to do this with flesh hands. And there's gonna let the mage hands float across the room, pick up something like a book off the shelf and just bring it back. I don't even have to move. I can just let my hands do all the work. With your passive perceptions, you guys are able not only to see and understand the face of confusion and a bit of apprehension, but you also notice that cat instinct of fixation towards the hand as it's moving. Well, that seems neat. Seeker, you guys are bringing a prisoner with you from the Sunland Citadel. Uh, we, we didn't take any prisoners. Flower, would you like to introduce yourself? 
flower sheepishly stands up. You don't know me because I was actually hiding in Mortis's shell when I first came here, but I was also interested in going to the Sunless Citadel. I was just really nervous about being out and about in a town. My name is a wildflower, but people just call me flowers. It's nice to meet you, Mayor. As flowers it's explaining this, you guys do see the quick eye darts towards Mortis as he is both surprised that this happened and at the same time concerned. Nice to meet you, wildflower. Did you help Seeker and their companions in the Sunless Citadel as well? I do apologize for the deception, Mr. Mayor. I, I promise I meant no ill will towards you or your people. I only wanted Flower to be able to travel with us safely. But you must know that while we were in the dungeon, we discovered that the sect of goblins who abducted Faith and Sir Bradford were in service of the druid we encountered. By killing him, it's possible that the tribe may act more peacefully, if you'd allow it. And, uh, I have a song, actually, to sort of get you to know Flower a bit. So, if you want, I can play it for you. Sure. And then he stretches his arm to the side and starts scratching a bell that he has near him. When the bell stops ringing, Chamomile appears. Uh, Chamomile, uh, please bring us some refreshments and water. We're here gonna stay here for a bit as we talk and listen to some music. Chamomile, would I be able to get a bowl of milk? It's It's been a little while since I've had one. Oh yes, and nothing for me. I've had a big meal before coming here, so I'm all good. And then as we're waiting, I'm gonna play the thorn slash flowers part of the Sunless Citadel song. After listening to the song and you guys are enjoying the bowls of milk, water, and uh, honeyed ale, Bave looks at Wildflower. Thank you for helping us. I do have to say that I hope your moments here with us are pleasant. I will not lie, it might be more difficult to some to accept what I will say about you, Flower. You are the nicest and most noble goblin I ever met. I am willing to accept you in our community if you so, so wish. Thank you. I do really appreciate that. There was something else I wanted to talk to you about. It actually has to do with the goblin tribe that has been living in the Citadel. They are my tribe. They're called the Huckleborn clan and they're being led by someone who isn't good and someone who wants to hurt people. But there are a lot of goblins that don't want to live like that anymore. I have a friend in the tribe who wants to help and make it so that our people don't have to live like that. And I was hoping that maybe I could get the help of Tom's rest. He allows himself to take a few moments in deep reflection, but he looks at you in the end and says, on my honor as mayor, I promise you I'll help. As long as it does not provoke retaliation and danger to Tom's rest, I'll do whatever it is in my power to help you achieve safety for your clan. If they are half as good as you are, they are worth the try. To show you my seriousness and how I am willing to accept you, you are welcome to stay in one of the rooms here. Within this house, I it's quite big. This can be 
a place for you to feel safe if you wish. Flower wipes away some tears. He seems speechless to the amount of kindness that Faith is showing him. Thank you uh, for your hospitality towards us. It, uh, it means a lot to some of us who are definitely outsiders. Of course, of course. You are welcome to stay for as long as you need. If there's anything that I can help to accommodate, you just need to ask. I was thinking I should probably go back to the temple at least for a little bit to see mama and papa but i don't i don't think i can do it alone uh well did you guys want to come with me so you can meet them oh yes i, I would love to meet them mortis just gently puts a hand on seeker's shoulder of course you won't be alone i would love to meet them Erky looks apprehensive in between you guys, and then he goes, Well, uh, as long as you guys don't mind, I will follow you guys to the temple too. Mayor Bave, right? Uh, thank you for the hospitality. Uh, oh yes, this is our friend Erky. We rescued him from the Citadel. He was not fed to the tree. As you can see, he's all well and good. Erky, maybe you could see the temple library. I know that you're interested in that sort of stuff. Oh, I love that, actually. Thank you. You guys leave the mayor's house. And shortly after are the very footsteps of the cat temple. The doors are open, as always. And you guys are able to enter solemnly. Seeker guides you guys towards where they know their parents will be at this time of the day. After helping the kitchen, their parents will take almost like a small siesta in their apartment area. As you guys enter the place you guys are greeted by basically older versions of what seeker and faith were but homely using comfortable clothing and happy to see seeker both of them happily hug seeker tightly and the father is the first one to speak well uh, you must be seeker's friends nice to meet you i am seeker's father uh whistle under the breeze this is my lovely wife, Star of the Dawn. Come on in, I hope you guys are at least willing to eat something. I just made a lovely pot a few hours ago. I still have a few servings left. Oh, th th thank you, Ma. Yeah, these these are my friends. And then in turn, Seeker's gonna point to them. Uh, this is, this is Mortis and Erky and Flower and Methuselah. They went on my adventure with me. That is mighty lovely to meet you all. Come on, come on in. And you guys can tell me everything. And uh, we can thank you properly for taking care of our Seeker. And they situate you guys well. Seeker is nervous, but they're again happy to see their parents. It's just having to tell their parents that Faith is gone. Just as we're going in, it's going to be all right, my friend. You can do this. I just, I just hope that Ma and Pa still love me when they find out. Oh, don't worry. I'm sure they will. Everything will be alright. You guys are situated in the living area of the apartment. And brought refreshments. They sit down to hear everything. While Seeker's telling their parents what happened, they're sitting between them, hoping that, you know, their parents will give them some ear scratches because that's really what they need right now, but they're not going to say that to their friends. But it is it is difficult, but they do manage to get the words out and explain what happened. See her saying to their parents that it was really important for their friends to meet Faith because now we all have that person in common to bring us together. As the story is being told, 
you guys can see their expressions. First, of course, happiness for seeing their child returned. But then there is that moment of preparing as they brace themselves for what they have already guessed. And slowly as the story goes, their stoicism starts to crack and they try to comfort Seeker as much as they can. Whistle, make sure to hold on to Seeker's shoulder and scratching their arm while Star starts to tear up, but she makes sure to caress the side of Seeker's face as they continue. And once the story is told, Star does nothing but embrace Seeker and they have a moment where the two of them are just in this personal, tightly embrace the moment of sadness being shared amongst the two. Whistle caresses the both of them, patting and rubbing their backs while having tears on his own, slowly descending down his furred cheeks. But after their moment passes, Star looks at Seekers' eyes. Thank you for being the amazing, amazing child you are. Thank you for coming back alive for telling us what happened. Of course, Ma. Um, like I said, I I'm sorry that Faith isn't here, but... She interrupts you. Shh. You don't need to be sorry, little one. Not you. No, come on. We need to rest. We all need to rest. And later we'll play. We'll play for Faith to make sure the cat lady takes care of her and plays with her too. After a few minutes, the moment passes, everything sinks in. Mortis is gonna stand from his seating position and pull back his hood, revealing his face. Uh, and he approaches the three of them and stands awkwardly for a moment. Hello, uh, I'm Mortis again. Uh, I just wanted to say, um... And he stands in silent for a moment, and then eventually he kneels down, falls to one knee, and puts a hand over his tart and bows his head. I... I was the one who destroyed the source of evil that was controlling faith. And uh, I, I did everything in my power to keep her and her companion alive. But my magics, they, they weren't strong enough. Uh, there are no words that could bring her back or convey how sorry I am. But know that I will never forget them and that this will live on with me for the rest of my days. The two of them acknowledge you by making sure to look at you, although Star is still a bit too deep within that moment of sadness and grieving to be able to say something. She does try as she opens her mouth, but words don't really come out. Who does speak to you is Whistle, as he does stand up and he extends a hand to you and he goes, Come on, don't, don't do that. It's not your fault. You were doing your best and I know this to be true. I'm good with people. I can see good people when I meet them. Come on, come on. And he raises you up. More than anything, thank you for trying. And he hugs you, hugs you tightly. It will take some time for me to believe your kind words about myself, but I appreciate them nonetheless. And then after a minute, when they separate, he regains his composure. There was one other matter. I understand that you're still in grieving, but I felt it important to ask. Um, 
In my travels with Young Seeker, I witnessed their strength of conviction and discipline. They have the will of a paladin. They've expressed to me that they wish to pursue the path of the paladin, though I know it may be difficult to trust me. With another of your children, I was wondering if you would allow me to train with them for as long as I stay in Tom's Rest. It would not feel right doing so without your blessing. Whistle, hearing those words, provides a very wide smile. But before saying anything, he makes sure to look towards Star, and Star, still within her moment of grief, she does express happiness through a smile, and she nods with her eyes closed, so proud. And that's when Whistle turns to you and says, But of course, of course we would love that. We just ask one thing, if it is okay. May the training be here in Tom's Rest. We might be feeling a bit overprotective right now. Of course. Uh, I myself plan on staying in the village for as long as Seeker needs me. I see in them a potential that is just waiting to be unlocked. They will be the greatest protector Tom's Rest has ever known. Trust me. Oh, we know. And they look proudly at their child. Then, in a few moments, they're thanking all of you guys one at a time. Once we all leave, and it's Flower and Methuselah and Mortis and Erky, Flower looks at the others sheepishly. I'm actually really beat from the day. I think I might go back to Babe's home for some sleep. If you guys don't need anything else from me. I, I think we're quite all right. I was thinking of going to play some songs in Cat Castle, you know. Undead don't really get tired and all, so I don't mind staying up and enjoying the night. I don't mind listening to your songs, Methuselah, before I go to the library. Uh, I spoke on the way here with one of the acolytes, and they said that the library is open until night time, so we still have a few hours. I hope you all enjoy yourselves, but I, I have a grave task I must accomplish for the sake of Sir Bradford. Don't worry, Mortis. When we get food, we won't forget to put the bowl under the table so that the spirits may gain sustenance. Despite everything, Mortis's stoic demeanor cracks for a moment. He has a small smile. See that you do, my friend. And then, without another word, he takes off. As I'm walking off with Erky, I'll have to tell you all about this very interesting after leaving the rest of the group, Mortis asks around to see if he can get an audience with the head cleric of Cat Castle. One of the acolytes do say that the head cleric is available. They are just finishing some small prayers in the playroom, and they guide you there. When you arrive, you do find the place to be not what you expected, for you know many places of prayer to be quiet but this place is just clutters of toys here and there with blankets on the ground tossed around with many tabatsi and even non-tabatsi like humans and halflings spending time here just playing there's a loud cacophony of people laughing and expressing loud noises as they do their small little play things and it takes a few moments to sink in everything but the acolyte brings you to a very lean 
light brown, relatively younger than you expected, Tabatsi. She raises herself from chasing a ball that, of yarn that was being tossed around. She approaches you, Mortis, I am told? Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, it is an honor. And he bows respectfully. She bows as well, to show you the same reverence. I'm not sure how much you have heard about our quest, but I fear that I must now perform a grim task. Well, in that case, let us do so outside of the playroom. Taking the initiative, you follow her out. And on the hallway, just outside the door, where once closed the cacophony of play is highly suppressed, you guys find the privacy enough to speak. My companions and I, we discovered Faith and Sir Bradford, but unfortunately they didn't make it out of the dungeon. Her face is washed over by an intense feeling of sadness, but her composure is stronger. Well, at least they are playing now with the cat lady. And rest assured, the evil entity that was controlling them, I destroyed it myself. And, uh, with his last breath, and then Mortis reaches into his cloak and pulls out the sheath of Shattercloth. He bows again, presenting the blade. Sir Bradford requested that I return this to your care. I thought it my duty to honor his last wish. She hesitates a little, but then she do grab the blade from your hands and brings it close to her chest. I have nothing but gratitude from you. Thank you. You have nothing to thank me for. I I only did what I had to. I only regret that he could not be delivering it to you himself. Sir Ryan Bradford was very devout, a bit too serious for playtime, but he was still very devout, and he had a very, very kind heart. I'm just happy to know that now he can play to the fullest. Don't feel regret. Pretty sure he chose you because he saw goodness in you. Well, I hope I lived up to that expectation. I am sure. And she turns to the side to give the acolyte the blade. Before she turns to walk away or something like that, she looks at you very intensively. Are you okay? He stares at her with the same expression he's had for most of the day. And then he looks as though he's about to give a very stock answer. And then he stops and takes a deep breath. In truth, no, not at all. I failed them. If I had been more powerful, then they would be standing here with their loved ones. I will live with that burden for the rest of my life. I'm not okay, but I have hope that I will be able to use the remainder of my life to help others in their honor. That is a very good mindset to have, although I do feel you're being very hard on yourself. If I may suggest, of course you do not have to, but I think you should. Come on inside. She opens again the playroom and the cacophony just rises again, almost overtaking the place. Can I pray a little? Well, uh, I'm not sure how much energy I have for such things, but perhaps the positive atmosphere would do me good. And then he follows her into the playroom. You find yourself a little bit out of place at first, as there is absolute chaos all around you. It is the equivalent of being inside of a hurricane. You find yourself sitting down in a corner as you just observe 
the everything in high speed. But something catches your attention as a small ball of yarn bounces close to your left foot as you're sitting down. To then a little tabatsi child to grab the yarn in front of you without looking at you, only to then realize that you're sitting there after they caught it. Those big cat-like eyes are looking at you intensively. Mister, don't you want to play? And she extends her hands holding the ball of yarn towards you. He has the same expression of sadness for a moment and then eventually turns into a small smile. I suppose I need to learn from the master. And then he takes the hands of the ball of yarn. Biggest smile you can imagine is then expressed in the little girl's face as she runs away from you just to create space so you guys can start playing. After being there for, eh, let's say about an hour, he eventually leaves with a more positive attitude and heads over to the cafeteria area so he can get some food with his friends. Methuselah goes to the main grand hall where everyone eats and he's going to find a, a nice corner it's well illuminated and is going to start playing on Yorick Faith's song and then cycles through basically every song that he's ever written and it's going to be the song of the Sunless Citadel it's Faith's song and it's Chrysantha's song and I think that this is probably the first time since they were alive that they aren't nervously playing as if you know they want to create an environment but they're scared of what people might think of them or what people might see about them being undead that sort of whole idea is just thrown out the window as Methuselah's back to their old self playing and interacting and laughing with all the people here and eventually he'll probably stop playing music and just start talking to as many people as he can just listening and as they're getting food we'll grab a bowl but not eat it because undead and we'll make up some strange excuse as to why he can't eat the food and we'll put the bowl under the table and we'll tell all of the tabaxi about she's special dinner time ritual everybody enjoys the music that are played from the hurdy-gurdy york and in between every song, people clap or cry out of emotion or happiness. They are all praising you with each stop of music, each change of melody as they shout, Yeah! Blue hands! Yeah! <laughs> After the beautiful sequence of musics, you are able to talk to everybody and everybody accepts you, praises you, wishes to know more about you and they just spend an amazing time with you. After you tell them about the she ritual, they all eat most of their food but leaving a little bit before they actually put it underneath their tables and seats. You guys just spend the time there enjoying. Arkia also loved the musics that you played but as you went to eat, he decided to depart to the library. Still talking to your newfound friends, at least of this moment, you do see Mortis stepping into the cafeteria. Probably like gesture for him to come over, looking at him very happily. He does so, and you notice, just look at him. He still looks sadder than he was way back, but he's definitely better than he was last time you spoke to him. So how did the, uh, the situation with the sword go? They accepted it honorably, and the priestess even advised me to spend some time in their prayer area playing to lift my spirits. Did, did it go well? 
Well, uh, at first I thought I might not be up for it, but in the end I think it did me well. I'm sure Seeker will be delighted to hear that. I hope so. Are you doing all right? Hmm. Well, I'm not sure if I know how to answer that. I still feel responsible for what happened to Faith and Sir Bradford. If I'd thought more, perhaps we could have gotten them here somehow. Even though I know that thoughts like those will haunt me, for right now, in this moment, and he takes a moment to look around the room and all the energy. I think everything will be okay. I think so too. Ah, let me introduce you to some of my new friends. I've told them all about the ritual with she, and I'm going to usher you over to the tables yeah. and just start introducing you to people. He joins you and starts talking to people in his old man awkward way. You guys spend the rest of the evening talking and having delightful conversations. You enjoy it completely, Methuselah, while Mortis enjoys it a little bit too, but feels uneasy as there is a constant, almost unnoticeable purr that takes place behind the back of his head. Then it comes the next morning. You guys start to engage in the routine of the lifestyle here of Tom's Rest. No more than a day or two after, Erky takes his leave. Make sure to say goodbye to each and every one of you. Make sure also to get all the necessary supplies for his travel. And thus depart Tom's rest heading east towards his homeland of Ion. Things get calmer as time passes. And rest starts to become comfort to you who has suffered quite a bit in your adventure. Woody, describe to me what happens with Flower from here on. So after all is said and done with the party settling in the Tom's rest, Flower doesn't really know what to do with himself. He struggles with managing his own memories and the memories of Thorn that have all returned to him. Ultimately, he decides that he's going to stay in Tom's rest for the time being. He spends months regaining his footing in reality and coming to terms with everything that's happened to him. It wasn't easy, but with his friends by his side, he's able to get a better understanding of who he is. During this time, Flower also makes contact with Ringa, with the help of some other goblins from the village who also disagree with Geld's way of leading the Huckleborn clan. They begin closely working with the community and Temple of Tom's Rest to begin establishing a safe place for the clan. It takes about a year for Ringa, Flower, and a large majority of the Huckleborn clan to confront Geld and his closest enforcers. You remember as if it was yesterday, due to how difficult the whole situation was but in the end you knew that it was for the best you knew that although very little was a little bit of justice that you got for yourself you remember that it was a night just after the sun had set when you were brought forth to the middle of the encampment of the huckleborn clan by ringa and ringa's group of goblins to where geld was being held it took quite a bit of while and you know how hard Ringa worked to be able to slowly change the mindset of all the goblins, younger goblins. But finally, it seems like Fane was taking a change. You guys knew that this change could not be official till Geld was dealt with. Thorn approaches Geld as him and his enforcers are on their knees and tied up in the center of this encampment. Ringa and his 
gang of goblins who have helped us are sort of waiting to see what happens next. Flowers goes over to Geld. You have a choice, Geld. Exile? And Flowers looks down as if he doesn't want this choice, but he knows it has to be done. Or death. I should have killed you a long time ago. But then defiantly he looks up to you. I'll leave. You happy now, Flowers? Does that make you feel better? You know, it didn't have to be this way, but you just want to kill. But that isn't what this world is going to accept for much longer. This world doesn't deserve us. We deserve more. If you guys want to be hiding again, fine. But me... And then he looks at the four or three guys that are left of his stubborn-minded group. Me and the rest here are gonna actually make a name for ourselves. Just you watch your back, though. With that, Flowers just allows Ringa and his enforcers to make sure that Geld and his group leave once Ringa has returned to the village. And there's this uncertainty. Flowers looks at Ringa. Now it's your turn to, to help them. No, I can't think of anyone else who's more deserving to lead. Ringa sighs a little, but he places a hand on your shoulder and says, It's actually time for us to lead, Flowers. Not just me. I'm old. I will do my best. And I'll continue to steer and guide the rest of the clan here. But there will be a point where I won't be able to do it any longer. That's why we need to lead. I know the work you have been doing in Tom's Rest, and I believe we can work. But I cannot trust, or at least I can't think of anybody better to lead after I go than you. Flowers looks very flattered. He goes, thank you. I'll do my best. Hopefully when that time comes, I'll, I'll be able to focus everything I got into the clan. Right now, there's some other things that I need to think about, but thank you. Of course. You take your time, ma'am. Now. There's a lot of work to do. And with a reassuring smile, he lets you be. With the generosity of Tom's rest, the clan settles at a more permanent residence close by, still choosing to remain tucked into the safety of the nearby forest. Now, with a community that accepts them nearby, the clan begins to thrive. Over the next few years, Tom's rest and the Huckleborn clan become more intertwined as the two peaceful groups expand and flourish. With his clan safe, Flowers begins focusing on himself. With a stable mind, he begins studying magic again. Determined to reclaim his abilities as his own, he learns the art of enchantment, channeling his once chaotic magic into a beguiling and fantastical charm. He has a new determination to him, as he realizes that he no longer wants to run from Marquis Sadolin, but rather find a way to beat the Archfeyates at its own game. When he is not helping Ringa with the clan, Flower buries himself in research about the Fey. He studies their history, their magic, their way of being. To defeat this enemy, he wants to understand it. His research spans years, culminating into a breakthrough when the moment seems too late. Armed with knowledge, Flowers vows to save his found family and put an end to the Marquis' masquerade evolutions. Ash, 
What does Seeker do from here on out? Well, following spending some time with their family, they are going to go back out on the road with their friends for a little while, spending some more time together, adventuring a little bit. The crew hears of these gauntlets of ogre strength, and as a group, we decide to pursue them, knowing that Seeker needs to become a little bit more physically strong to achieve their dream of becoming a paladin, and they feel ready to become a paladin. They just lack that extra push because they're very lean. Through this, Mortis has been coaching them and teaching them about oaths and how a paladin's power works, and they have an idea of the oath that they want to make. Following the fight with the ogres for the gauntlets, that is where we find them with their friends. You finally feel you have reached the level that is required for you to take this oath. And this feeling is just reinforced by the reassuring statements of your mentor, Mortis. Mortis has been saying that you have grown a lot and he thinks you're ready. Everybody has gathered in this very ostentatious day, celebrated and hosted by the Temple of the Cat Lady with the strength of the entire population of Tom's Rest to celebrate their new ascended hero. People from afar have come too. There are members of the Huggleborn clan here, led by your best of friends, Wildflower. Mefusla, who has gone and come every now and then, has made sure to be here present. And even Urki has taken a very long trip all the way from the wild forest of Ion just to be here for you. It's a very special day and you feel deep within you. It's gonna be one to remember. Hey, Mortis, you, you, got, you got the gauntlets, right? That's the third time you've asked. Relax, you'll be fine. Well, well, you know, someone might have taken them. Well, I mean, I'd be the most equipped to take them. Mortis puts both hands on Seeker's shoulders. Breathe. Everything will be fine. It's normal to be nervous. Just know that I have full faith in you. A brief look of sadness is going to cross Seeker's expression. She, she's go She's going to be here, right? I know she will. She would be most proud of you. Well, after we would train together, I, I would I would try and talk to her. I, I felt like I could connect with her during play, similar to how Methuselah connects with Chrysantha. Does, does that make any sense? Yes, I think that's definitely the case. People who you lose, they don't ever leave you. They're always with you in your heart. I think that Tom's Rest is lucky to have you as a paladin. You've grown so much and become quite strong. I don't think that there's any foe in the world that could come to harm this place with you here. I think I know exactly what I want my oath to be. I haven't told you guys yet. I don't even think I've told you, Mortis. I want to just swear to be vigilant against threats against Tom's Rest and the Huckleborn clan, especially from the Marquis. I know that he's still out there. You know, I want those closest to me to be protected, especially after all of the the hurt that he's caused you, Mortis, and you, Flower, the rest of us as well, because we should make sure that we're lending an ear to those in our community that are hurting, and we shouldn't push them into the arms of someone like that. Well, I have been doing a lot of research, so hopefully the Marquis won't be in hiding much longer. With your oath and how strong you've got, I know that we'll be able to find a way to stop him soon. Enough talk of that devil. That fight is for another day. For now, we should let this be about you, Seeker. 
I never thought I would get to this point, which is why I didn't really tell anyone about, you know, my goal of becoming a paladin, because it seemed so out of reach. And then I met you and started learning from you, and you, you gave me the confidence to do this, all of you. Thank you. Well, we're quite happy to be here with you on this journey, and I'm cooking up quite the song for you. I'll, I'll play it a little bit later once, you know, the ceremony's over. I can't, I can't wait to hear it, Methuselah. You know I love your music. I think you'll like it a lot. I'm gonna love it. Mortis puts a hand on your shoulder and smiles, and looking at him, you can tell it's a somber smile, despite the moment. Seeker, from the day I met you, I knew there was something special about you, and I have no doubt that you would have reached this point even without me. But if the legacy of my existence as a paladin is culminated in your training and all the wondrous goods you will do, then I have truly lived a worthy and complete life. Well, I say that you've lived a worthy and complete life, even without all of this. Uh, but thank you, Mortis. That, that means the world to me. And Seeker's gonna hug Mortis. You guys see this small little frame of Erky opening the door. Oh, that's where you guys were hiding? Come on, everybody's ready. Well, I suppose it's time then. Let's go. Hey, you do fine. Then let's go. We don't want to make the whole town wait for you longer. Seeker's going to follow Erky. The celebration is epic. As you guys got to see Seeker make their oath in front of the entire town. And as the oath was concluded, the entire town roared in admiration. Then the rest of the afternoon was just enjoyment, good music, and a bunch of good food. With sessions for people to play, for people to rest on the sun, for people to just enjoy themselves and share in the merry time. After the celebration calms down a little bit and everyone's just relaxing, Mortis walks over to Seeker. He seems to be holding something under his cloak. I have a little gift for you, my friend. Well, you already gave me the gift of all of that training, Mortis, and all your time and energy. I, I couldn't ask anything else of you. Well, consider this an ascension gift as you've properly gained the role of paladin. I recall you saying that you might need to get yourself a new weapon, and I spent some time with the blacksmith and had them forge this for you. And he pulls out a large, fancy sheath containing a new rapier. M Mortis, I, I, don't, I don't know what to say. You, you didn't have to do this for me, but I love it. And Seeker's gonna unsheath the rapier and just look at it. This, this is the most beautiful rapier I've ever seen. What about a uh, lady's mercy? Partially after faith, but also telling me to be merciful as well, where I can be. I think that that's a really important thing that I learned on our journey. I think that's a fantastic name for a sword. Songworthy. I think it's wonderful. You know, I, I think it's finally sinking in. I, I, I'm, I'm a paladin. My friend, you were a paladin the day you swore to do better. I learned from the best. Would you like to hear the new song I have for you? Seeker's gonna clap their paws together really excitedly. Yes, yes, please, Methuselah. Please, 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 please. And Methuselah's gonna play loud and proud for everyone to hear the song of the new paladin and their new sword, Lady's Mercy. After Seeker officially becomes the protector of Tom's Rest, while this does mean that they never do find the original journal of the Cat Lady, that's okay with them because they take a young tabaxi under their wing, <laughs> mischief of the night. They inspire mischief to be the one to go out and find the journal, putting that story of 
faith and seeker and that goal that they had to find the journal into his little head. Part of the reason they were okay to give it up was because it was a dream that they shared with faith, but now they get to pass it on to someone else because they didn't want to achieve it without being able to give it to faith. Passing it on to the next generation of Tabaxi and Tom's Rest, it feels like a special, special dream and goal again. With Flower so close to Tom's Rest, they know that they always have a sibling nearby that they can spend time with. They enjoy teaching the goblins of the clan about the area. They love making sure that they always have a home and a listening ear that they can go to if they need it. They teach them all about the story of Tom's Rest as well, and they see the Huckleborn clan as their own family just as much as they see Erky and Mortis and Methuselah. Eventually, word arrives at Tom's Rest that Seeker must take a brief break from their home. There's a great evil to defeat, and their friends will all be reunited once again. Katya, go ahead and tell us what Methuselah does in the future. After the party spends time recovering from their adventure in Tom's Rest, Methuselah will ask his friends to accompany him to his Soul Blossom Tree, which is located south of the town of Bard's Beacon in a meadow of chrysanthemums on the tallest hill in all of the valley. The tree itself has grown massive in size, but as large as a red cedar fir, and this huge, beautiful branching tree has red bark white leaves, and these blooming golden flowers. It's been a long time since Methuselah has tranced, and I think that they really haven't willingly closed their eyes in a long time in fear of what they might see when they close those eyes or maybe never waking up again. They're gonna approach the tree, leaving their friends likely at the bottom. They've probably brought a picnic and a camp because Methuselah's not really sure what to expect when trancing by the tree. There's a hope in their heart that maybe in some way they'll be able to reach out to the soul of the person that they love the most. They know that their life is somehow connected to this tree, and they hope that because of the love that they shared with Chrysantha, that that will be enough. And so Methuselah will walk up to the tree slowly and place their hand on it and feel the bark and the strength of it, and then sit down in the shade, listening to the wind and the breeze just through the leaves, close their eyes and trance. They take those moments of silence as his friends respectively wait to let Methuselah have their moment. At first, it's no different than any other moment of Methuselah quietly sitting within the depths of their mind. But then something shifts within yourself you feel warmth, which is a different kind of warmth from the feeling of the exterior, of the outside. And deep within you, you feel that something changed. Opening your eyes, the world around you shifted completely. No more you can see the plains of Sentry Soul and the huge mountain range in the distance. That is, the bronze peaks. Instead, you see an endless sea of golden grass with an eternal sunset in the very horizon which only intensifies that golden color in front of you. You instinctively stand up, looking mesmerized by the paradisal picturesque scenery in front of you. Take a few steps forward, only to realize that your clothing has changed. Your clothing is just like the one of memories ago, long time not debauched by age or by the Shadowfell. 
and your skin is like it was before. The only difference is the fact that your hands are not like it was before. Instead, they have a glowing white silhouette on it, vibrant just as intensively as the sun in the horizon. And then you hear a rustling behind you, footsteps, and for a moment, you feel your heart beat once again at the expectation of what it is behind you. What do you do? I turn around. Looking back at the tree, you see the most beautiful sight you have ever hoped to see. The face of your beloved Chrysantha, bathed against golden light that only enhances the beauty of her hair and the shine of her armor. She's exactly like you remember long, long time ago. I think I take just a moment to just take you in, and then I say, Chris, I'm, I'm sorry I'm late. A big smile comes across Chris's face at the sight of you. You look the same as she remembers, but different, but it's still you. And after all these years of waiting, she just beams. You did it. You finally came home. I'm here, and it's so good to see you after all this time. Did you see my lanterns? I saw all of them. They were so beautiful, and there were so many. The whole town. It was wonderful. I never stopped waiting. Not even now. I've never stopped waiting for you. And I've never stopped looking. I missed you so much. I missed you too. I wish that I hadn't left. I know that you wanted for me to stay with you. But I didn't listen. And it was my fault. It was not your fault. Things happen. And you left and I was upset. But you came back doesn't matter how many years it took or how it happened. You came back to me. Just as beautiful as the day that I left. <laughs> I have so much to tell you about the people that I've met. I, I found friends now. Friends that have helped me understand the truth about what happened that stormy night. There's, uh, there's Mortis. You really like him. He, he's a, a, a turtle paladin from, from Lestri, from my home. Uh, and, and Seeker, a, a tabaxi, rogue, so wonderful and bright, just like you are. A, and, and Flower, a, a goblin, so creative, such a great mind. All these people, that are my new family here, so, you know, you don't have to worry if I'm going to be alright. I have all the time in the world to hear your stories. I'll be happy to tell them all. With that end of conversation, the two of you move towards each other as natural a feeling as breathing. You guys finally embrace and hold each other tightly in the bonds of your love like it was always meant to be. And what of you? What, what happened? You, you got better and then tell me. I went looking for you. I found our friends. I found Callisto. I found Ophelia. I found none of them knew where you were. So, I waited. I went back to where I last saw you, and I stayed there. I watched as they made a life for themselves there, these people. A town was built there. They made me feel like I was a part of their family as I waited for mine to come home. And I tried to light the way so you could find me again. The town is its really something else. Uh, I wish I could show it to you now. It's so big and, and beautiful. and. All of them seem to really care about helping others. You know, when, when I arrived there, I heard the story of the, you know, the lost bard and, and the warrior flowers. Of course, it's, it's been 300 years, so they didn't really quite know your name, but the heart was still there. I really couldn't find it in me to, 
tell them who I was. Just because I want that story to, to stand as another testament of love and kindness and so that people who are lost can always find their way. I wouldn't want what happened to me to happen to anyone else. It was my mistake, but it still wasn't easy. My bard, my storyteller, you make sure that those stories end with the lovers finding each other once again, no matter how long it took, that they know that you came home to me, and that I waited, and that we found each other, and make sure that there's that hope, because hope is what kept me going. It's why I'm still here. It's why you're here. And what happened to you? I want to hear every inch of it. I want to know what took you from me and the pain you suffered. Let me hold half of it on my own shoulders so it doesn't just weigh on yours. Well, uh, I, I felt a lot of guilt for leaving you. And it was desperation and I didn't want to lose you. That's the only reason I really left. I couldn't fathom being in this world alone. Without you at my side, I'm not, or at least I used to think that I wasn't a hero, and I think that's why I, I got so desperate. I even pushed people away, friends that wanted the best for me, and that led me off Luxair's path, and I found the most cruel people I've ever met. People who wanted not to take my life, but to take the one thing that mattered the most. And he sort of raises up his hands, where you do see there's a lack of hands, but there is the ethereal mage hands that now exist. These people wanted to take you and the songs that we shared together, but no matter what they took from me, they could not take that away, because music isn't about your ability to play, it's the passion behind it. And no matter what, this person couldn't take away my love for you, because that is something that is timeless, that is something that is in my heart and will always be, forever, something no one can take. From there, I wandered into a place of shadows. It's called the Shadowfell, and I didn't die. I wallowed in grief and regret because I thought that I had failed you and that it was too late. I remember walking in a tunnel, the wind in my back and a candle in my arms. I think that candle was whatever life I was clinging to, and all the while, a voice in my ear saying for me to give up, for me to turn around and let it all be done with. I did turn around, eventually, when my strength failed, but I think that what brought me back was that lingering hope that I'd see you again. And that's what happened, and I woke up. The only thing that I remembered, though, wasn't my name, it wasn't who I was. It was your name, your song, and that's what has kept me going for all this time. It's never too late. It's never too late to come back. It's, it's never too late to find your way on the path again. You found a new home, the same as I did, but that doesn't mean I'm any less your home or you mine. I have so many stories of the years to tell you, and I know you have them to tell me too, and we will. We have the rest of eternity to tell them. We do. And I can't wait to hear everything and share songs of it with everyone in the world. I've been given a gift of life again, and I want to use it to share your song to every corner of the world that I can. For as long as I have, because I love you so much. Use it to share our song. Me and you. 
and your friends. No part of your life is worth more than the other. Let me share your heart with them. Promise I will. Whatever's left of me, all that I am. Whatever's left is enough. It's all I've ever wanted. Methuselah stays with Chrysantha for a very long time. I think longer than he originally anticipated staying there. Maybe staying for a day, listening to stories, and talking about their adventures. And there are moments where they just don't even have to talk. They just being together in each other's arms. It's enough. And then every year, Methuselah will travel to this old blossom tree and spend time with his love, sharing the adventures <laughs> and the song and stories that he's had over the many years of his life. Sometimes he'll spend days on end, months, and even years meditating under the tree. He'll spend longer times, especially after the family that he made and the son of Cyrilla have moved on or passed on. When he visits for long stretches of time, nature itself envelops his body in the trees, roots, and flowers protect him. And then when he's, you know, done visiting, he'll dig himself out of it. Each time he visits, I think a part of his soul remains there. There's a longing for Methuselah to stay with his muse. And so each time he visits, a magpie flies out of nowhere to the tree and stays there with Chrysantha. And over the years, more and more magpies are there with her, chattering and singing and keeping her company. And in the material world, Methuselah's physicality even starts to change with the influence of the tree. It becomes more tree-like as time passes. So Methuselah will remain in Tom's rest for as long as he can, leaving only to acquire sending stones for Mortis, Flower and Seeker, He'll sing in the Cat Lady's Temple, Cat Castle, every night, and all the money that he receives will go back to the temple or to help the Huckleborn clan rebuild themselves. Methuselah is happy in this place, but the grief of losing the one that he loves never truly stops gnawing at him. He will spend time alone processing all the emotions that he felt and still needed to process and sing to the trees of all of his woes. Methuselah will do this every day, casting a permanent teleportation circle that will ensure no matter how far he's wandered, he can always come to Tom's rest at a moment's notice. The heroes of the Sunless Citadel are his second family. Fool's Fortune was the family that raised him when he was alive. His new family helped him overcome his past and the trauma of his death to find love for life again. So he wanted to make sure to always be there for them when they needed, in times of crisis and in times of death. Ever so often, he does feel the call of the road beckoning to him, but he chooses to ignore it to just spend time with his friends for as much as he can. Although eventually, the drive becomes too much, and when he hears Mortis is leaving, he eagerly goes with him, both because he fears what the Marquis might do to Mortis, and the fact that he's a traveler through and through, and it's in his nature to, to leave. Luai, what does Mortis do from here on out? Well, Mortis spends the next few years living in Tom's Rest. Most of his time is spent training Seeker, helping them to grow their abilities in hopes of one day becoming a paladin. He's very pleased with their progress and has every hope that the young warrior would one day surpass him. Despite this, Mortis was somewhat changed by the events of the Sunless Citadel. Though he still sees his friends fairly often, he's become somewhat of a recluse in the village only coming out during big events or when his presence is requested. 
Soon after Seeker finally obtains the rank of Paladin and grows to be the defender of Tom's Rest, Mortis decides to make a pilgrimage back to his homeland of Lestri to pay respects to his wife and to visit some of his old colleagues of the Tension dynasty. Though he had originally planned to take the journey alone, Methuselah also wanted to visit the region and decided to join him. It is good to be back to the lands of the east. Beautiful plains with moments of trees here and there brings your heart closer to home. You start to see the change not only in vegetation but also in fauna as now more and more often you start to see dinosaurs here and there. Those who can take shade under the trees and then on open areas you see the ones that are bigger and taller. It is truly Lestri as you remember. You guys make your path down some of the open plains until you reach the forest near the Tension Dynasty's island. There, there was once a cottage. Now it's been overturned and used for something else. But nearby, you know to be the resting place of your beloved Nira. The first thing Morris does is he walks up to the grave. He kneels next to it, clutches his holy symbol and begins saying a silent prayer just to himself. Methuselah will walk up to the grave and take out some dried flowers that Methuselah's had with them since they left the Sunless Citadel. And they're the flowers that he took from Daphne and is going to put it at the base of the grave. You do notice Mortis smile a little bit when he sees you do that. A few minutes pass and once he's done his prayer, he stands up, stands silently for a bit and just takes a long, deep breath. She always loved this place. She would say that being away from all the city and the people allowed one to truly appreciate nature and all of its bounties. Yes, this is an absolutely wonderful place. I think if I could, I'd spend years and years just sitting here. It's wonderful. She spoke of retiring to the countryside deeper in the forest once we reached our older years. I don't think that woman would ever be content unless she was always surrounded by nature. Indeed, and it's quite the nature around here. It's been so long since I've seen it. it. Hasn't changed a bit, I'll tell you that. When did you last come to these lands, if you don't mind my asking? I'd say it was many years before I died, so it's been a very long time. I, I was here with Fool's Fortune, I think, the last time. We were performing at a very special elven ritual. You know, the one that happens every hundred years? Oh, yes. Uh, fortunately, I've never been to one myself. Uh, I happened to be out of Lestri last time there was one, off on a mission. But I've heard wondrous things, and Hera told me it was quite the spectacle. Oh, yes. So many soul trees planted that day. And a lot of nudity. Lots of nudity. I can't really imagine someone like Nera being involved in something like that. But, I mean, if she was, sounds like a very spirited woman. Well, from what I can tell, she, she seemed to enjoy learning about new cultures and people. I swear, whenever we would go anywhere, she would always ask people where they were from and what their land was like, traditions of different species. She was always willing to learn, to open up. It was one of the things I admired about her, actually. I think that's a phenomenal quality. You know, I, I try to do my best to be like that as well. So many people with stories wondrous adventures that they've gone on. So much life in this world, it's absolutely beautiful. 
And to think, before meeting you, my definition of the balance of life and death was more simplistic. She would have considered me an old fool. At least this turtle knows how to learn new tricks, eh? <laughs> Mortis stays silent for a bit, and then he stares off into the distance. It still hurts knowing that, that I had to give it away. I know. Maybe someday we can get it back. Well, I'm not sure how long I'm destined to carry this curse, but I know that one day the Marquis will be defeated, even if it means I go along with him. Well, I hope it doesn't come to that. You are one of the greatest heroes that I've ever known, and your story doesn't deserve to end with the Marquis. Fate has its own agenda, <laughs> beyond what either of us can control. I wonder how she would have felt about all of it, me taking on this curse, and even after all these years, I feel like I'm lost without her guidance. I know how you feel. I know without Chrysantha, I feel like I'm half of a person. But uh, I know I can't speak for her, but I imagine she'd understand what you had to do. Because you did not do it selfishly. You didn't do it for power. You didn't do it for yearning or for the Marquis's agenda. You did it for the people that you care about. And as burdensome as it is, I, I think that that's incredibly noble. I know you might not feel that way, but everyone thinks that you're a hero for this. Well, maybe one day I'll feel like a hero. Before you guys made your way towards the city that is home to the Tension Dynasty. For you, it's quite the homecoming as you are greeted by the lively city-like village and the life in it is fast-paced. Maybe the commerce has increased ever since you left it. Or you remember being quieter. For you, though, Methuselah, you remember being in these parts a long, long time ago. What is new to you is clearly the road system that is relatively well paved, where before there was barely goat trails. It's also new the little amount of buildings and households that borders the very edge of this coast, as if the coastline and the island was pulled apart and the city was divided in two. You know, and so does Mortis, that the original Tension Dynasty is the one in the island, and little by little it has bended out. You guys find yourselves looking for a place to rest, for the walk to this village was not a short one. Finding yourselves within an establishment, akin to a tavern or a bar, but this one, it has more of the tension feel to it, as the place is better situated for you to sit on the ground instead of actually sitting on chairs and tables. You guys finally call an order for food and drink, mainly for Mortis. When Mortis, you hear the laughter that brings you back. Huh, funny. I think that happens to be one of my old mentors, Kerr, or as he liked to be called, Kerr the Merciless. Oh my, that's quite a title. Well, he's a brash old fellow, just try not to get him talking, he has trouble stopping. Oh, I relate to that completely. You guys approach, and Methuselah, you get to meet an ancient turtle. A turtle that is pale, but mainly because of age, as even when it's drinking, it takes a very long time. It feels like Kerr is appreciating every moment. 
as they watch you approach, you see their facial expression change. Orders. Oh, good to see you. Come on, sit with me, boy. Who's your friend? <laughs> Hello, Kerr. It's been far too long. Ah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> this is Methuselah. I met them on my travels. Methuselah. Nice to meet you. I am Kerr. Kerr the hero of the Temptian dynasty. He who has won the battle against the creatures of the deep east. He who has grazed the banner against the vile creatures of the swamp marsh. He who has conquered such glorious battlefields as the bar. <laughs> oh, it's so nice to meet you. I love your voice. It's so sing-song, so pleasant. Thank you. You know, people you to stay and hear me say my stories for the long time ago. And then Methuselah is going to start taking out their usual journal, which they've probably gotten a new journal by now because their other one is full of stories from Tom's Rest and is going to start writing down things. <laughs> Mortons. You are quite popular, as I remember. <laughs> Better to be popular than infamous, isn't that right, old friend? And then Mortis lets out like a really deep laugh, and for Methuselah, you could tell this is the most genuine happiness you've seen him feel in literal years, reconnecting with his people again. Enough about me. Mortis, why don't you Tell me about your stories. And while tightly gripping its lips together, he tries to raise his voice. With a lot of disdain, the waiter on the side sighs deeply and says, Yes, Mr. Merciless, uh, I'll get you a drink. What do you guys want? 
Oh, um, you know, we were we came here on a boat, and I am suffering from horrible seasickness, so I think I'm all good. Water then. Alright, what about you? How about a glass of the finest ale? I've missed the drink of Lestrian during my travels. And don't worry, this round will be on me. And then with my mage hand, I'm going to flick a, t- a couple gold coins at him for the tip. And then before he goes away, Mortis also slams down five gold coins. And take this as my condolences for having to deal with this old fool. And then he gives Kurt a gentle pat on the shoulder. Which he just laughs like there's no tomorrow. Does this man know anything about the Draconic Empire? Was he alive during that time? Yes, he was. I'm going to ask him so many questions throughout the night about his experiences. It's probably going to sound like two very old people talking and Mortis is just like, I don't know what's going on. He's the kid at the table. Yeah, for once, Mortis is the kid at the table. And you guys start to tell tales back and forth until the sun sets and the sun rises on the very next day. Mortis sits politely, taking his, I think it's third drink at this point. And then eventually he gets up. Well, while you two old men are reminiscing, I'm going to take a walk for a moment. Try not to have too much fun without me. Sure thing, Mortis. Not to go very far. There is a fourth drink waiting for you. And don't you worry, I'll keep this one as entertained as I can. Well, you will try. And then before he leaves, um, Mortis pats Kerr on the shoulder again. Always good to see you, old friend. Try not to drown yourself. You know me. I say as you're walking away, Methuselah's gonna say to the old man, Would you like to hear a song about Mortis that I wrote? Yes. yes. I'll take that as a yes, and I'll play. So as you are walking away, I'm gonna play Mortis's song. Mortis walks outside to get some air. He looks around the old place where he used to call home and reminisces for a bit. And I imagine near the door is where we left our stuff. And he walks back in for a moment near their bags and he pulls a small parchment of paper out of his cloak and places it inside Methuselah's bag. He looks up in the middle of Methuselah reciting part of the song that they had written for him. And he smiles a a long smile and it eventually fades away. Watch over them, old friend, as I could not. Stay safe. And without saying another word, he walks out of the tavern. He walks through the village for a bit until reaching the crossroads that leads out into the wilderness. He stands for a moment, contemplating. I will do what I must to end this. He cannot awaken again. Never again will you hurt anyone I love. Mortis clutches his holy symbol and holds his hand out. Almighty she, I call on you again. Grant me an eternal steed so that I may embark on this journey of the damned. Mortis is going to cast Summon Steed. As the wind starts to pick up, 
so does appear out of nowhere fireflies. These fireflies just slowly passes by you and as if they were guiding some sort of dinosaur, it appears close to you and lowers its head as to respectfully await you to mount it and proceed. He gently pats it on the head before climbing aboard. He takes one last look at the little tavern and through a window he can see Methuselah and Kerr still chatting. Be safe, my friend. Be safe. And without another word, Mortis rides off into the distance, leaving his past behind him. Throughout the years that follow, Methuselah will travel to every kingdom, sharing the love of the warrior flowers and the stories of three heroes who braved the sunless citadel. It's not long after that Methuselah finds himself in trouble again, and he's kidnapped by another dragon. However, this bumbling beast named Stormtail seems to be more interested in conversation than indenturing him into his court. The two become friends, and Methuselah visits the old beast when he's close to the bronze peaks. As tension across the continent heightens, Methuselah leaves for the islands of Fahingard. Inspired by friends, Callisto and Flower, he wants to better understand the cultures of the world that might be shunned, and he wants to understand why the orcs are so intent on in raiding the coastlines. Unfortunately, he's kidnapped by them as well, but eventually learns to find friends there. He writes songs for them and makes friends, as he's always known to do. However, in line, with his character again, his time in Fahingard causes him to miss out on one of the biggest wars in the continent's history. When he returns to the mainland, he's surprised to learn that the kingdoms came together and united under an emperor. He becomes a traveling celebrity as his songs are known across the lands. He's always sure to visit his soul tree, as well as Bard's Beacon, that has become a thriving city of the arts. When touring Lestery, Methuselah joins a public storytelling event called The Recital, which gathered the best storytellers from across the lands. It was hosted by a lonely Lestery and human named Chantrell Lahart. He piqued Methuselah's interest because of his mysterious personality, which reminded Methuselah of himself. So to learn more, Methuselah won the contest and became friends with this strange human. Over the years, he returned to see this recital and watched competition, seeing stories grow and thrive in this youthful brightness. Along with another winner named Ren, a high elf woman, the three founded the Amphitheater, an organization of bards to provide stories to the world. He was even introduced to Chantrell's strange son, who used stories to keep focused. After his human's father's death, the son became the figurehead, known to the world as the mysterious critic. Finally, Methuselah became the court ambassador to the emperor. He was summoned to the capital to see the emperor himself. After charming the human ruler with songs and stories, the two became dear friends. Now he spends a lot of time in court, but will often disappear without a notice to travel and visit his soul tree. It is many years after the sunless citadel, and within the court of the imperial capital, Corinthia, that the sound of hurdy-gurdy embellishes the tales of long ago. This place, court full of species of all corners of this continent, bears witness to one of the best tales yet, the Ballad of the Sun Citadel. And as you finish the tale, Methuselah, describe to us how you look now. So, Methuselah has changed in the hundreds of years that it has been since the Sunless Citadel. He's become slightly taller, but you can't really tell because now he sort of has a hunch. His body's become more spindly and long. 
and the hair is just this huge, almost mane of hair that is full of chrysanthemums. They wear basically the dark warden skin that has been repurposed as a cloak almost. And it's a cloak that has these like little slits where armholes would be. But Methuselah doesn't really need to use them because the mage hands play on Yorick. And on their face, they wear this white porcelain mask that has a bit of a smile on it. And around their neckline of the coat, there's raven feathers. As well on their shoulder, there is a very crusty looking vulture that sits there. And on Yorick itself, there's something new that's been painted on the back of it, which is the symbol of a lantern. And beneath it, there are two cats that are looking up and away. And underneath, there's a moth, which is the symbol of she. And beneath that, there's a small butterfly, and the wings are made out of flowers. So different from before, Mefuzla carries on their shoulders years and years of stories and legends. And now as he concludes the story of the Salasilel towards the Emperor himself, the deep voice of the Emperor boasts the question. Thank you, Ambassador Mefuzla. But I beg to ask you, what happened to the turtle? Well, after I spent some time with that lovely hero, I... Methuselah's head turns downwards. Found a letter that he left. It said that Mortis intended to leave us all Tom's rest, but couldn't find it in him to stop me from coming along. He felt the influence of the Marquis's power becoming too difficult to bear. He felt like he couldn't control himself and feared the pain that he might cause to the people that he considered his family. He told us to take care of each other and that we'd be okay without him. He apologized for leaving, but he said it was a journey that he needed to make alone. No one would be safe with him around. At least that's what he thought. With the curse of the Marquis waiting, hanging over us with baiting breath, I know he didn't say it, but I think he intended to leave, to die alone somewhere, in a grand gesture to take the Marquis's curse with him and to stop anyone else from getting hurt again. But you know, I think our little group had a strange way to defy fate. And I think that the Marquis underestimated the power of friendship. But my dear friend, that is a song for another time. Unfortunately, you've reached the last episode of the Sunless Citadel. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Kat, and I play Methuselah on the Sunless Citadel. Thank you so much for listening and staying with us for the year that we've been posting and recording. It means a lot to us. Honestly, this has been such a huge passion project for everyone on the team, and we've had so much fun making this little series for you. Our intro score was created by Patrick Corton from Off the Beaten Path Musical, and the world of Nos. Mundos was created by Pedro Stockler, our forever DM. Everyone give him a high five, round of applause, bardic inspiration, guidance, all of that because he is amazing and without him this show wouldn't have been what it turned out to be and the amazing stuff that he brought to the table. 
We'd also like to take this time to thank all of our Patreon supporters, all of our listeners, and most importantly, everyone in the TTRPG community here online. We're talking about the Vactair and all of our ad swap features on this podcast. We'd also like to thank Chris Delera, who made all of the art that you might see on our social media for all of our characters, as well as our YouTube visuals. And now, a quick word from our forever DM, Pedro! Thank you so much, Kat. Nosso Mundus was always a dream that lives deep within my heart. And to see you take sheep in the Sun Citadel has been truly a dream come true. I have more stories to tell from the world of Nosso Mundus, and with all the love that you people have shown me, I'll nurture it until it becomes much more than what it is now. Thank you so much. Don't forget to take this bardic inspiration for your next adventure. That's a wrap from all of us at the Storyteller's Tavern. Thanks again for listening.